0: All CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. Guys.
1: <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's
0: just the first note.
1: This is the Capital Stack. Hey everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack Podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation in startups. Today I am talking to Peter Morgan, Pete Morgan, the CISO Chief Security Officer correct, and co-founder of Phylum, which is a cybersecurity company based out of San Diego, has raised um, $15 million? Uh, just under twenty. Just under Total. twenty million dollars, yeah. and uh, we're going to talk about cybersecurity. Um, I don't really know what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the trick. I think most people aren't really. There's a billion definitions, so that's kind of where uh, all the startups live, right?
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bust it open. We're gonna kind of like do a high level market map, and I want to know about your your story. Um, I think like you're a spy or something too. <laughs> 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 You've been put to the test. Um, love to hear that story as well. Sure and um so just give me a little bit of background sure um
0: i've been a security researcher since i was a kid that was the only job i've really had i got started um learning how to program and then hack computers when i was like, really young kind of got bit by that bug and it all started kind of cheating with video games against my friends so that was awesome and then it turned into a job shortly thereafter.
1: You're kind of a beefy guy too. So like how do you come being like a nerd, you know, and <laughs> um, like I know you clearly work out. So That was the duality, right? You so Got a I, great body. I played I played sports. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Um I played sports growing up mm-hmm. and kind of uh definitely more of like an ADD type personality, so you know, very fo- very into certain things and it was computers and sports at the time and then it turned into martial arts and that turned into lifting weights and then now it's just kind of a function to offset sitting in front of a computer for 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's a necessity more as <laughs> like yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> okay, so you started hacking video games. You got the bug.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I went to school for computer science, but along the way, I was, came across some opportunities to um, do some work and learn more of the craft. And then it turned into a job where people would hire you. You know, initially it was my first title was penetration tester, mm-hmm. which is a common term now. Yeah,
1: that's what they called me in college. <laughs> I did try that in a bar one time. It did not go over No, it well. did Yeah, it's just like, just as you'd expect. Um, I was the anti-penetration <laughs> tester. <laughs> I was like the penetration repellent. It just uh, never happened. Never happened. No. Yeah. It just it wasn't, it wasn't
0: on my cards. Um, so yeah, did a lot of that work. And that turned into some opportunities to work with um, some of these really amazing security research consultancies where I got to learn from just an all-star cast of people. I never deserved that, those opportunities, but I ramped so much from learning from those people. And that ended up, I worked at a place called Matasano Security way back in the day, and like, they got sold to a large consultancy called NCC. Then I went to Occuvant, uh, which turned into Optiv, and I ran their R&D team for a, a little while. Started my own boutique consultancy, just kind of doing my own. And then we did a startup focused on building products for the uh, intelligence community, for the government. So Mm -hmm. offensive tools for them to basically hack our enemies. Mm -hmm. And then we started filing. So super high-level overview.
1: So when we talk about penetration testing, um, we're talking about aggressively and intentionally trying to hack essentially your own you know, like Precisely. Your, your own programming, yep. right? You're, yep. you're hired to find um, weaknesses.
0: Before the attackers do, ideally. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Facebook kind of started that, right? Uh, they have a very strong security team. This, man, I think please. I remember like them like being one of the first like enterprises that started to like have their own internal pen testing.
0: Yeah, I mean, banks have been doing it since the 90s. Really, okay. Yeah, they, I mean, the finance group kind of makes sense, right? Like they understand a risk. Probably better than most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, I'd say they were probably at the forefront. I wouldn't say that's currently the case, but now it's pretty widespread in uh, industry. But yeah, I mean, a pen tester got hired to ostensibly be the attacker mm-hmm. and find a way in. And that can be, you know, there's projects I had where they would just sit you down at a desk and you had to figure out how to break into the network and you're trying to get to a certain thing or just try to find any way in. I've, gotten to break into offices to then compromise a computer or steal it. Um, That one's kind of called physical penetration testing. So picking locks and defeating cameras and that kind of thing. So
1: that's like a legitimate spy shit. Like you were saying, okay, I want you, somebody paid your consultancy to say, How am I going to get this hard drive? Right, you know, I'm thinking right. like James Bond. I'm thinking like you know, you're going in, you're taking, or you're putting a USB in something, mm-hmm. right? Something physically that you have to do.
0: And you're spot on because you're already thinking in the direction of what is the asset that you're protecting. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, when you when you do an engagement like that, you'll have some sort of flag. So, what is the object? What is the thing you're trying to to get access to or take control of? And that's kind of the threshold of you know you'll have several of them typically, but then. You structure them such that, like, you know, level one, you get to this, level two, you get to this, level three. And, yeah, it's not uncommon.
1: Yeah, so if we were to take a look at, like, buckets of hackers, you know, what, what I just don't understand, and I'm hoping that you could illuminate me, is, like, what is the intent, right? I mean, like, what are they getting access to? I mean, like, what is the, the persona, I guess, behind these people?
0: Uh, I mean, so... I think you mean like crim- like criminal hackers, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, someone uh-huh. who's actually like causing damage.
1: Yeah, not um, the pen testing, but like, right, the, right. yeah, the actual people causing damage.
0: Um, I mean, finding ways to make money off of it, right? So there was this thing, if you remember back when like credit cards were like stolen mm-hmm. and fraud, and like these cards were sold online and you could buy like batches of credit cards and then you'd use someone else's credit card until mm-hmm. it got caught and... um it was always the object was to get money somehow. And that evolved a lot over the years. And now you hear about ransomware in the news pretty, pretty frequently. All ransomware is, is an evolution of the understanding by the attackers, how to turn a computer compromise into money. So hospitals is an easy example. If a hacker breaks into a hospital and they like change their passwords and stuff like it's annoying, but they're not going to pay. You're not going to gain money anyway. Right. Like, are you, are you going to try to steal cash from the hospital? Like, mm-hmm. now you're actually talking about testing a bank. It's not like compromising a hospital network won't give you anything
1: to do that. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm wondering is like, right. like the money's behind another layer of security, which is a bank, right? you know, or some kind of financial institution. So I'm saying like, if I'm an enterprise and you're getting into my database or my schema or whatever. This is where
0: ransomware is so interesting yeah. is they figured out, okay, we've, we've, we write this malware to like, you know, malware a bad, is a bad program that an attacker installs on a computer, typically, surrepti- typically surreptitiously, so no one else knows it's there. And they can use that as a way to get into the system as a backdoor, um, or it can just do things on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, remember like pop-ups on your computer from back in the day yeah. like a long time yeah, ago? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, I wouldn't call it malware because it's not really doing anything overtly bad, but it's the same concept. It's a program you didn't intend to be on your computer. Someone else kind of put that on mm-hmm. and it's causing something to happen. Ransomware is just a type of malware where it encrypts all your files and says, I'm only going to give them back to you if you pay me through Bitcoin or whatever, some cryptocurrency. And then I'll decrypt your shit and give it back to you. And it's, I mean, it's caused a huge problem, (laughs) billions of dollars a year, but all it really is. And this is something I keep stressing to other people in the community is that it's just an evolution and understanding we knew how to encrypt and decrypt files before we knew, I mean, writing malware isn't really that hard. Like not everyone can do it, but it's not that hard. We had all the tools before it was just putting them together in a way where an attacker can use a compromise of a computer system, a network, or an organization of some kind, and find the things that are important to them, databases, access to customer records, you know, their trading platform, whatever it is, mm-hmm. encrypt it, hold it hostage until they pay them to get the key.
1: Okay, and then what are, what's a typical ransom, right? I mean, if you're take a look at it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's changed a lot. Um, can tens of thousands to millions. Holy shit, okay. Depending on the organization, I think. I just saw something that in 2022, ransomware payouts were estimated at somewhere around like 750 million. Wow. That sounds really low to me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's reported, right? That's reported, yeah. And a lot of this happens through watching um, certain transactions on, like, Bitcoin,
1: right? <laughs> somebody ransomware me, they'd be like, okay, you need to send me X amount of Bitcoin. I'd be like, okay, so how do I get a Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they get me on that end, too. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. I mean... And if you need a bit like, put, it like, a, like, a, like, a wizard on it. Like, totally. You know, I was yeah, like, you yeah, just yeah.
1: gotta... Uh, can I get on the phone with you real quick? <laughs> <laughs> just help me. I'll help you. <laughs> That's awesome. You know?
0: Yeah. It's... uh. But that, that has caused a lot of problems for organizations just because, um, you know.
1: Now, does cyber security insurance cover ransomware or? No?
0: Uh, I, that is a very loaded question. I believe in certain cases they were, but they're not now. Um, there are, and there may be some that do. I'm not, per, like, I, I feel like that's a pretty loaded question I wouldn't be an expert on. Mm-hmm. Um, But. The challenge for an insurance company to like insure against something like a ransomware attack is you have to think about, well, how would an attacker get in and put the ransomware in the computer? Well, <laughs> there are thousands
1: of ways. Yeah, there's a liability somewhere. How do I
0: ensure that your employees don't click on this stupid phishing email? Yeah, why is this
1: my responsibility? Right, right, so so um, that's Is, is that where it's coming through? Is it coming through
0: phishing? I mean, it's coming through any way, any way the attackers can get in. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, someone, some crappy website gets compromised, they dump all the passwords that the website had for all the user accounts and they spray them at all the other online services in the world. And it lands on some company now because that employee used their the same password for their corporate account as some shitty website. Now they have access in the corporate network. They get on the employee station. Now the attacker's got a foothold. That's just one of... Like a gazillion ways. ways. Yeah. Right. So it's really tough to theorize about
1: or argue against not paying it. Like, you know, like where, where is your education there's this whole industry based on like, you know, fishing education, right? And right. Oh yeah. And no and, before was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And um, but the you know, the idea of keeping humans perfect, <clears throat> like that's it's just kind of a crazy thing to even theorize. We're gonna say, okay, I got 5,000 employees, hypothetically, and I'm gonna expect they all are perfect 24 hours a day. Like, it's just never gonna happen, right?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a weak point. Yeah. It's a choke point. Really so tough. what's the kind of penalty for this? Like, if you get arrested? I mean, how, how many times are these, these, these hackers like uncovered?
0: Question. So uh, not all of them, but there's a, a large contingent of the cyber crime we see in ransomware coming out of Russia. Hmm. So, how do we go arrest someone who lives in Russia? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: The FBI doesn't have any jurisdiction there. Mm-hmm. Russia doesn't mind if they're citizens. What do they give a shit? Ha- I mean, if well, don't.
1: is it citizens or are they like, you know, they, are yeah, they, you I know, mean, nod, nod, wink, wink. Are we, are we talking about the, the Führers, you know, people?
0: Uh, I, I think it's, from my understanding, it's more like, oh, you want to hack the United States. You know, let me com- help you. <laughs> Here's your tools. Have at it. Yeah. Like, do you uh-huh. need? Yeah. Can we get you guys anything? Some water? Right. Red Bull. Like, <laughs> um, but this is one of the dynamics of the world market that's really challenging. Is, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are places in China where if you're really, really good, uh, coming up through school at software development programming, you have that aptitude, you get put into the into the group that
1: does exploitation of
0: American assets.
1: Yeah, I feel like China would be a lot more organized than Russia.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we have a, a little bit of a negative view. Russia has a really strong capability.
1: Oh, I believe that they're
0: scrappy. I believe yeah, that, but I just yeah. think
1: maybe the organization is probably bigger because they have to monitor their own people and then, yeah. like, and then while attacking other people, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. got to make sure nobody's doing weird shit like within their own country. And you know,
0: it's um, but you know, in these cases, like if I get attacked by some Russian cybercrime person and I hack back. mm-hmm. I'm violating United States law. It's a felony. I go to prison mm-hmm. if you get caught. There's no that doesn't happen in the other countries. So you, you get is this like asymmetric warfare of not really warfare, but it kind of is, where their attackers have no consequences. <laughs> we can't even fight back. So all we, um, you know, effectively what we're doing is we're on a.
1: How would you fight? Are you frightened back against an individual? I mean. So what are they doing? Are they calling the FBI and saying, you know, I got hacked, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like, what is that? They could. Yeah. They could. It's a The, the
0: point is, it's a violation. We're violating right. our own law and there's nothing on the other side. Right. So ostensibly we have to, you know, we're in a third grade playground getting punched in the nose and our idea is we really have to make our nose stronger. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else you can really do. Yeah. Doesn't sound. It's tough on the government level too, because that's effectively, you know, that happens that exact description of organizational organization in different countries is also true at the government level. Um, You know, we're not very, we could be a lot more offensive, Mm -hmm. but, you know, that's a little bit beyond my pay grade as far as who's making those choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, But our, you know, our enemies are very offensive Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're willing to take that risk.
1: Sure. Um, So if an American hacker attacks an American institution and they get in trouble what does that look like from a oh
0: yeah um jail massive fines i mean it's a federal
1: offense oh yeah yeah, okay yeah
0: i mean there's the computer fraud and abuse act there's probably i'm sure there's a bunch more now that has popped up but um that's something where and sometimes you run into this with like you're doing security research you want to like figure out if something works (coughs) sometimes you'll have a junior person on the team And they get excited, and they walk into an area they're not supposed to be, and you're like, "You don't have permission to go." That's like a website, someone else's website Mm -hmm. or web app. You don't have permission to go look at that thing. If you do that, and they get mad, that's a felony. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not in, yeah, (laughs) we're not on the other side of the world here, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, jail. Like, some people get put really, um, you know, they've had the book thrown at them. there's a couple people that were doing some malware development and it was kind of educational. It didn't seem really nefarious, but they got made an example out of them and went to jail for mm-hmm. five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely trying to show that there's consequences to this and it's not just kind of.
1: Right. You know, so the government's laying hard onto it. Yeah. Like At I, least
0: internally. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to, it's definitely not something you want to get caught doing.
1: Right. Um, So. If I was to say, okay, like explain to me, like I'm four years old, the market map of software companies and vendors that are addressing enterprise cybersecurity. And like, what are the categories or the taxonomy or buckets that they fall in?
0: Oh man, that would be, that's pretty complex. So we can go pretty high level. So you have, um. Antivirus, which is now anti-malware, like endpoint security protection. You have these like super, super big companies now: mm-hmm. CrowdStrike, Sentinel One. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you had like Semantic McAfee, Norton.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, right, yeah right. Right. When Semantic didn't the guy, like the Norton guy kill a bunch of people or something like the CTO? <laughs> the McH- McH- uh, found Mccaf-
0: McAfee John McAfee was a little nuts, yeah, or maybe a lot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh but yeah, yeah, that's that's a while ago. So you have kind of these endpoint security product companies that are huge. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Is that a commodity at this point?
0: It's uh it's just a known line item in every budget for every CISO. Got like it. you have to have endpoint protection if you don't, you're like in violation of a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um and they kind of work and they sometimes kind of don't. Mm-hmm. And like CrowdStrike uh, seems
1: to be doing very well. CrowdStrike's doing very well. Yeah, they're like yeah. more in the SMB focus, right? Uh they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, they're plugged in everywhere. Um then you have kind of a bunch of different tools depending on what the business is. If you're a software development company, um, you know there's large organizations like um, Veracode and Checkmarks and um, that look at like the software you're writing. Um, that is kind of more closely related to what we do with Phylum, um, but large large category of like if you produce software. Um, then huge categories around how you defend your network. Mm. So like a firewall, right? Mm-hmm. That was, there's been, I don't know, hundreds of companies across the years, but like Cisco is a huge company. Mm-hmm. They were selling telco gear and then security mm-hmm. firewalls and there a whole <coughs> bunch of things around that. Um, uh, places like Palo Alto, same thing, kind of born mm-hmm. out of that firewall thing, but built to be. Defensive protection around assets, mm-hmm. uh, be it a network or an application, or
1: so that would be like the point, like another circle in for protection. It goes endpoint, you know, virus, antivirus, malware, virus, and then we're talking firewalls.
0: Yeah, that's more like the network boundary, but right. this is still. It's a lot easier to think about if if we kind of rewind the clock, like five plus years, mm-hmm. because the whole work from home thing now has really changed the dynamics of sure. everything. Like, what does a firewall do when all your employees, you know, work from home Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's just monster swaths of this I'm missing. There's just. (coughs) Well,
1: there's like workflow management within like CISO. I've seen a lot of those like Swimlane, you know, Swimlane. I do know (laughs) Swimlane. Yeah, so I had a chance to get in Swimlane single digit valuations while they were here.
0: I'm actually going to meet their CISO
1: tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, they're, yeah, that The CEO, Cody, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: yeah. actually how we got first introduced to Swimly, and Cody's really cool. That's a small yeah. world. That's it cool. is a
1: small world. I remember he came to our office, and we we're like, well, I don't know. You know it's a big mess. <laughs> it's a big mess for us. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, they were ripping. There was another company in town here that didn't do great called Cybersponse. That was kind of a competitor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, they were kind of like gunning and looking for money at the same time. So it's kind of interesting, you know, where you wanted to look, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, workflow automation. Uh, I mean, there's just there's like,
1: edu- yeah, there's workflow, like, like processing, and then there's the, the workforce education that I see. You know, we saw like no beef. There's actually a company in town here that just got funded right hand. They just got a, like familiar. I think a five million dollar round today. Um, oh wow! Yeah, uh, like I think kind of like the next generation of of um, of no before.
0: Interesting. Right?
1: Because they were public and I think they went private and I think they're just turning like a motherfucker now. I mean, like that's, they they had huge contracts and I was like, I don't know if this is worth that much. <laughs> you know interesting. these yeah. ACBs.
0: I mean, it's uh, it's going to be something that like every company, I, I, kind of like water like they're they're never going to they're always going to need something to fill that gap and uh you're never done right like there's no off button on that on that need um just because this is getting everything's getting more complex day by day by day so training is going to be crucial to any any group that's a great spot to be
1: Mm -hmm. so there's kind of like the manual or the process automation, there's like the response. I mean, what else are we missing?
0: I mean, so just in,
1: if you think about defending software, this is good. What's your stack look like? What's your internal cybersecurity stack look like? I mean, how many pieces of software do you have? Um, Like nobody's hacking me, motherfucker. (laughs) You're gonna go back at them with
0: a. am never gonna say that out loud. Because someone else would be like, I'm gonna spend the weekend just making this guy wrong. Yeah, it's never fun to be a target. I mean, we built so our product is built like extremely purpose-built. So we, you know, build on top of a bunch of existing technology, of course, uh, Kubernetes and 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 leverage GitHub to its you know complete extent that we can. Mm -hmm. But everything is extremely purpose-built. So our attack surface, the size of our code base is fractional compared to, to, to like most organizations I think deal
1: Kubernetes, with. Isn't that like the, the open source Amazon So it's thing. a,
0: it's a orchestration framework for taking, um, kind of building software in a way where it can be self scaling, let's say. So if I have, you know, our stack probably has I don't know 50, 80 applications, microservices mm-hmm. each of them lives in this little docker container, and Kubernetes orchestrates how all of those things um, kind of interoperate and also exists as code. so if we had to, let's say, you know our the data center we're running Amazon got hit by a missile or something, we could turn that on and bring it back up in entirety in like an hour, mm-hmm. whereas putting that together by hand would be months, probably again. Mm-hmm. So, Kubernetes is one of those um, orchestration frameworks that really makes things complex services reliable, well, more reliable and also um, reproducible.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, so major trend not going anywhere is is the so is is the tip of the spear ransomware.
0: I, so yeah i I struggle with that It's in the news a lot, so everyone kind of recognizes the term and um um it's it's nothing more than an educated conclusion to an attack, so ransomware is the thing everyone should be afraid of mm-hmm. because if if their systems get compromised and the attacker figures out they have money um Yes, ransomware will probably be the thing they have to deal with, but it's not the way attackers actually get in. Most commonly, they're they're getting in through things that weren't patched. None of this is rocket science. Like if you have, you know, you're a server administrator and you're supposed to update your servers because there's security patches and you don't do that for a month, someone breaks in because it's gonna happen. you didn't patch it. Like it's not, you know, this isn't like there's nothing magic about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're using Bad passwords, not having multi-factor authentication, you know, not having some of the tooling to understand if you get compromised and what to do with that like this. Um, a lot of these are, defendable con- are are defensible concepts. I will say it's pretty tough to get it all right all the time in a large organization that's moving fast. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have companies with 10,000 plus people. They're acquiring new companies and joining forces and the attacker yeah. job isn't isn't going away anytime soon
1: so from a product perspective, you know i <clears throat> I understand the you know from a very high level like kind of some of the categories that we talked about over the last decade, i think um you know there's been a transit i mean you've heard of um Stratetri guy, Thomas thompson ben thompson ben thompson where he talks about the bundling and unbundling of software oh okay right yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know we've kind of moved from uh the ton of money going into the system where there's legacy you know 1.0 platforms or sas 2.0 platforms right. of like hey we're gonna offer you know a, a little bit of everything right that's what the customer wants and we're gonna you know kind of offer like the full cycle and then uh throughout time you know there's the best in class and the unbundling of the platforms. And we see companies that have really dove deep into segments and have, mm-hmm. you know, scaled and had lots of value. Where do you see that right now? Uh, with enterprise and and the tech stack, you know, platform versus best in class.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um
1: I only ask the hard questions. Yeah, that's be. good you no,
0: know, it's it's a interesting way to think about. I'm trying to make sure my view isn't too biased by what I see on a daily basis, but um,
1: I could see best of class staying in just because of how hard it is to pull these things out.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that is changing. So, and I'm thinking a lot more for the more focused on the uh, I'm just going to say software companies as anyone who writes software, and that can be big banks that write their applications internally and manage that, and also the super big tech. Um, as we as more and more of the market value is created by software companies, um, I think we're going to see a lot more opportunity for um, disruption there because it's t- it's tougher to place yourself in a tech stack today and be sticky just because um, of the level of automation. Like I think about how software was written, call it 10 plus years ago, and now how things, everything lives on GitHub or you know something similar to that. There's so much automation. Um, tools that wanna work on that type of code plug into these single points like GitHub. But um, it's to differentiate, you have to have a much, much, much better experience because swapping out something else into github um, is pretty easy for the end user mm-hmm. and so so obviously the, the goal is on delivering value, having a better experience um, making your making the experience and the results sticky rather than hoping that the technological hurdle of removing <coughs> and replacing is going is going to give me stickiness right mm-hmm. uh, I think that's becoming more difficult to defend over time um, with the exception of places like you know maybe like a service now where ostensibly they they become a an appendage of yours, right
1: like yeah, and I operating. think it depends on the industry that they're that very they're much. going to. Yeah, it's like if you're you know ServiceNow very much services <clears throat> to you know large enterprises, probably you know late adopters right of technology right. right. And they become mission critical. Whereas I think some of these tools are very interchangeable, they're very integration, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, dependent. And like they're they're known to be ease of use. And you know, they're SaaS guys. So they're like, okay, well, you know, let's, you know, they're startups, so they don't want to like rock the boat and have annual contracts and <laughs> you know, and yeah. things are lighter than they should be, but you know, they put things in. Um, awesome. So have you ever like hacked a pacemaker? <laughs>
0: yes. Uh yeah. That's um, we did some. Uh, I, I spent some time doing a bunch of medical device work, and and one of the things um, I did as a kind of a research project was went and bought some implantable cardio defibrillators and pacemakers, which are ostensibly the same thing, but they have a little bit of a different
1: function. Dude, that shit's so fun! I did that last weekend. I was <laughs> <I'm> just bored. <laughs> just
0: just buy some stuff off eBay and take it apart. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's how security research is done, right? Like, I literally bought some stuff on eBay and took it apart and figured out kind of how they talk to each other and then figured out how you could with a radio signal get into one of these devices and change how it operates and
1: yeah it's a problem (laughs) (laughs) um and then what did they have to say about that
0: um so the company that i worked with on well i did that work on Medtronic's pacemakers and icds they were they're kind of the biggest name in that Mm -hmm. space And initially, when I reported the work to them, um, there was a it it took a little while to convince them, let's say, and it ended up being a a very, very positive relationship and working together to get it fixed. It took quite a while, uh, as you'd imagine, like when you release an update to something like that, it has to go through FDA approval and there's a whole chain. You can't just like convince a developer, they push a fix and then everything's done
1: yeah there's it's hardware months, there's a supply chain yeah, yeah yeah
0: it's uh months and years to get that done but um yeah they they really showed an interest in working with the kind of the researcher community and um responding to that it, it took a little while to steer the ship a little bit differently but ultimately the outcome was awesome like um they're still i'm still pretty close with a number of the people on their team and uh you know see them at conferences we work together periodically
1: cool yeah. That's a great way to win a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you do it? Did you do it to somebody who actually had a pacemaker and like, you know, it was like pressed a button and they fell down or like, uh, no, is that would have been very dramatic?
0: That would have been also very li. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what the liability of what <laughs> to for that, but, um, no, you want, a, no, I you didn't want have,
1: an omelet, you got to crack some eggs uh,
0: or you just have the little thing <laughs> you can do do it your that desk. Way. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. Can you that make way. it buzz? Can you make it
1: play the Mario brothers theme song? Like, you know, it's fun stuff. Pete, thanks so much for coming down. Thanks so much for having me. Yep. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We have an episode every Tuesday. We drop on all the major platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. If you like it, please subscribe. Tell a friend. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.